Okay, this is uh, this is the annual Megillas Esther Shear. <laughs> Purim comes once a year. So far. Oh yeah, it takes it. It takes a, It takes a week to do it, and it takes weeks to prepare for it. It's really, uh, it's really awful. <laughs> you know why J- Jewish children have to wear Chinese costumes on Purim is not never quite clear to me, but that's how it is. I would just like to say that this um, this year, this year is uh, dedicated by Bati and Eddie Jacobs to the Simcha that Daniel and Ayala had, they just had twin girls who are not yet named, so it's hard to refer to them. But that's the idea. I thank them again, Batya and Eddie, for this opportunity. Does everybody have one of these sheets? If you haven't got a sheet, uh, they're easily available. In fact, they're free. You have a sheet? You do have a sheet? Where are the sheets? There are more sheets someplace. There are plenty of sheets. Oh, here, here. I'm sorry. I did. I have more sheets. The sheets will only become important in time. Now, what I'd like to remind you of, I'd like to remind you of the sixth chapter of Megillat Esther. If you have a copy of Megillat Esther, look at it. If you don't have a copy, you'll get it. Megillat Esther, the sixth chapter of Megillat Esther, is the chapter that starts with the words, Balayla Hahu, that night. Something happened on that night. If you remember the story, Hashverosh uh, uh, couldn't sleep, and he started reading in this book about what had happened, that he rediscovered, somehow he rediscovered... Uh, uh, Mordechai and how Mordechai saved him in the past and he decided that he had to do something in Mordechai's honor this is all very unlikely it's hard to imagine that the king would read something about a Jew who helped him out and that he decided to, to give him great honor but lo and behold somebody decided to visit Achashverosh in the middle of the night when he, Achashverosh, couldn't sleep and the visitor's name, of course, was Haman. And so Achazveros presented Haman with the following riddle. If he had to give honor to somebody for doing, I had to give honor to somebody to do me a favor, uh, what would I do? So Haman comes up with this interesting suggestion. You imagine this. He said to the king, what I would do, king, is I would, I would like you get undressed and pass your clothes over to the guy that you want to give honor to. Now, this is an absolutely outrageous idea. I mean, I can't imagine even a, uh, a ticky-tacky king agreeing to give his clothes to some Jewish fellow who did him a good turn. I mean, I just can't, can't even imagine what Haman was thinking. But Right, only the real thing. But only the king wore the real thing. Nobody else did. He didn't give out his clothes to his uh, to his friends. 
Uh, the whole thing is, is absolutely astounding. So what you could say is, well, really, Haman thought all the while that it was about him. And Haman, after all, he wanted to be king. I mean, that's what he really wanted. So he puts it into to, Chazreirish's face and he says, uh, how about me? I mean, I'm happy to perform that service of wearing your clothes in public and riding around the horse. And then Chazreiros says, oh, what a great idea. We'll do this for Mordechai. So if, I, if this was the story of Purim, if this chapter was the story of Purim, so I would say, I would say, look at that. Look at how Achashverosh and Mordechai together they saved the day. And saving the day would be to put down to put down Achashverosh. But since it, to come out and put down Hama. But since it comes in the context of the wider Megillat Esther, I say to you again that I don't really get it. I don't really get this this chapter. It's almost like almost like Lahavdil Elafal like these kind of comic interludes that Shakespeare in, introduced into tragedy. You know, like, like everybody's dying, everybody's getting killed, and all of a sudden out come a couple of comics, and they say, don't worry, everything being fine. You know, can imagine that the, the play went on for hours in the Globe Theater or in uh, wherever it was. Not the new Globe, the old Globe. So that the play went on, and people were really like nervous and excited. Everybody's dying on the stage. So along come these comedians or this, these uh, interlude people, and they say, "Don't worry, it's under control. Everything will turn out all right." And then you're happy, and you can watch the rest of the play, right? <laughs> so this is like like something similar. It's like here we are at the tense moment in the story of Megillat Esther, when Esther is inviting. Achashverosh and Haman to have dinner with her, and he's gonna and she's gonna ask that big question, you know, like, how come you want to kill us? Why don't you kill somebody else? And that's like a touchy question because he did really agree. Achashverosh agreed to kill all the Jews. So at this tense moment in the reading of the Megillah, tense moment of reading, you know that there there are people who read the Megillah. There are Balei Kriya for the Megillah that acted out while they're reading the Megillah. It's not such a... Uh, it takes a lot longer. <laughs> so, so not everybody's into it. But there are people who try to do that. So this is the high point. The end of chapter 5 is the high, the high point of tension. Like if you, if you didn't know the end of the story, you'd say, wow, you know, like uh, this is really a difficult, a difficult moment. So along comes chapter 6. And chapter 6 says, don't worry don't worry, it's going to work out. You see, remember this dream that Ahasuerus had? And, and Mordechai rode on the horse. Well, that was a real horse, and those were real clothes, and everything was, uh, everything was as it should be. But other, other than that, other than that, what I could say about the, uh, uh, the sixth chapter is that Haman was unabashed in his desire to take over the kingship. And now we all know that Ahasuerus had a problem because his name was Ahasuerus. Who Ahasuerus? Right? You remember Ahasuerus did not have a father. Right? In Tanakh, it's generally true that when you introduce a new character, he has a name and he has a father's name. That's how he was identified. But Ahasuerus, 
He doesn't have a father. Why, why, how could he not have a father? He says, well, this is how it works. This is how it works. If you, ha- if you had a father, it meant you inherited the kingship. If you didn't have a father, it means you usurped the kingship somehow. So if you usurp the kingship from the previous king, then they just called you Achashverosh. They, they didn't mention the fact that your father was a nobody. Like it's like a, like a military person taking over the government of, uh, of something or other. You know, wherever, wherever these revolutions take place. But who Achashverosh means, that's it. He's Achashverosh. So Achashverosh had a weak position because he was not the son of a king. Vashti, in the beginning, before they did away with her, she had a strong position because she was probably the wife of the previous king, which was also a common kind of practice that if you rebelled against the king and took over kingship in order to give yourself some kind of authenticity, you married, I mean, you know, officially, the wife of the king that you deposed. And so, the wife of the king that you deposed, in this case Vashti, could have been, had independent power. In other words, who rallied behind Vashti? All the people who wanted uh, the revolution to fail. There are, there are always people like that. We know that because it's happening all around us all the time. So that there are, there, we don't even know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, but we know that Achashverosh won. But that doesn't mean that Vashti was a total loss, right? And when the king said, when the Hasveri said, let's bring her out here, let everybody see her come at my beck and call, he wasn't just a, a, an anti-feminist. He wasn't just trying to put down womankind, even though the, Medrash, the, 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 the Megillah seems to imply that. But he was trying to show these 127 nation representatives, all of whom were supposed to pay taxes to the central government out of fear. I mean, after all, what, you know, that was a big problem. It was a lot easier to capture 127 countries than to keep them captured. And it was to capture them, you send out an army, you go here, you go there, you know, in a year everybody comes home. But to keep them captured, you had to put a um, an army you had to garrison an army in each one of these places who wants to go to Ethiopia you know if you live in in, uh, in Greece or if you live in a civilized kind of a place where you can go to the gym and have a good time <laughs> so why would you want to go to Ethiopia so that the whole thing was based on fear that the, the, the Ethiopians were afraid that the Greeks would come again and try to conquer that and in order to avoid that they paid the taxes in order to make sure that they would be in fear, Ahasuerus made a party. Because a party is, as you know, I mean, a party is not a bar mitzvah. You know, a party is a show of strength. It's not, even bar mitzvah sometimes are a show of strength. But I mean, there's this idea, you know, I can afford it, I can pay for it, I can do it, and, and, uh, and all of you are there because I asked you to come, right? There's this, uh, this kind of... Uh, relationship through cash uh, and power. And that's something that happens all over. But I imagine that Achashverosh really needed this because it was after two years of him being a king and he decided that, uh, that he had to show that he was in control. 
So the way he was going to show it was ordering Vashti to come and stand before him. Vashti, as I said, was the leader of the opposition. I mean, I'm sort of making this up, right? But it, it, it's not without reasonableness. She was, the, uh, she was the opposition because she was married to the previous king. And whoever was on the previous king's side probably rallied around her. Now, the people who came from Ethiopia, the 127 nations, they said, well, maybe this government is a little shaky. Maybe we don't have to pay taxes or a duty to, uh, to Hashverosh. Maybe he's not going to be around too long because the opposition is going to get him at the end, right? Uh, E.g. Morsi in, in Egypt, right? It's, it, 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 what they say, uh, it ain't over till it's over, and it ain't over. Right? So, uh, so who knows? Who knows? You could invest in Morsi? Like the Americans, they give $3 billion to Egypt. They give $3 billion to Morsi. You want to invest in Morsi? I mean, is he going to be there when the check is cashed? I mean, I mean who knows who's going to be there? It's not like uh, such an obvious... It's, the solution is not obvious. Right? It's not, it's not something that you could say... Uh, uh, about Morsi that you know and it's not something that they can say about Hashverosh Hashverosh decided on this coup and he would bring Vashti and, and, and she would be humble in his presence right that was, the, that was the idea but she didn't come but she didn't come it's interesting it's interesting that Chazal the Chazal say that she was naked first they say that she was uh, a leprous, that she had saras. Rashi quotes, Rashi quotes the Chazal, and that because of that she didn't want to come and, and, and show her nakedness. Uh, so obviously nakedness was a kind of uh, submission. It was, it was uh, uh, Vashti submitting herself to, uh, to uh, Hashvei Rosh. Submitting herself to Vashti. So you have another, another point, is that like in chapter 6, in chapter 6, there's a, a character. The character is the clothing of the king. That's, that's what we're talking about. Who's going to wear the clothing of the king? Is it going to be Haman or is it going to be Mordechai? And it ends up in the story in chapter 6 that it's Mordechai. It ends up that it's Mordechai. In the first chapter, the first chapter again, what indicates the submission of Vashti to Achashverosh? The fact that she would come naked and stand before all the people, that would be an act of, that would be a great act of, of submission. Now this, so the first chapter, there is the story of the clothing, something about clothing, or the Chazal at least, it's not in the, the Megillah, but Chazal say that. The sixth chapter is a story about Big Day Malchus, right, the Big Day Malchus, and if you look at just just uh, get the, the reference in... Uh, Perichet uh, in Perichet Pasuk 15 Perichet Pasuk 15 I, I brought the wrong Megillus Esther this Megillus Esther has so many commentaries in it, so many other things in it that it's hard to turn the pages he says Mordechai at Samen you know after the story is over and the Jews fight back and they win and then what happened to Mordechai what happened to Mordechai? Mordechai yatsam lefnei hamelech belevush malchut. He, just as in chapter six, Haman dresses up Mordechai in the 
clothing of the king. At the end of the story, it really happens. Right? Uh, by Lila, who? You could say it was a dream. Right? It was a dream. Who, who dreamt the dream? We don't know. But I mean, it was a dream in the sense that it wasn't really happening. But here in chapter 8, it really happened. And Mordechai ended up, ended up wearing the clothing, wearing the clothing. So that the clothing, the big day Malchut, is a theme in the book of, in the, in the story of Esther. It's not the only theme and it's not the only way to read it, but it is a way. You can see, you know, you know people are, are uh, there's an extraordinary importance that is granted to the clothing. The clothing become part of the story. He had the clothing, took off the clothing, put on the clothing. How did, how did, uh, um, how did, uh, what, <coughs> uh, um, in Perik Dalit, in Perik Dalit, the, uh, just one second. Perik Dalit, Perik Dalit starts out One. I don't know why I can't find what I'm looking for. Perek Gimel. Perek Gimel. Perek Gimel. Perek Gimel. Perek Dalit, yay. Perek Dalit. So the first postage of Perek Dalit, it says, Mordechai Yadat, Kol Asher Mordechai heard about the edict that was promulgated by, by Haman and Ahasuerus to kill all the Jews on a certain day. Right? Mordechai Yada. He knew what was going on. At Kol Asher Na'asa Vayikra Vayikra Mordechai et Bigada Vayilvash Sat Vayifra So we know what that means. He tore up, he rendered his garments and he wore a sackcloth with dust. So what was he doing? He was Avelut. He was, he was in a state of mourning. And what did that mean that he was in a state of mourning? I mean, why was he in a state of mourning? Because he knew what was going to happen. No, because he knew what was going to happen. In, in, in other words, unless there would be massive intervention somehow, it was as though the deed had been done. It didn't really matter. You could stop right now. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, doing Avelis to attract attention to himself. But Esther, who didn't know what Mordechai knew, or he, she may have thought that, uh, uh, that okay, there are edicts and they're promulgated and it doesn't, nothing, uh, it doesn't always work out that way. But, uh, so, sh- so she took great offense at the fact that Mordechai was wearing a sackcloth. And she said, what are you doing? You better, people will notice you. Uh, another way of, of, of looking at Esther's position was that you, you're, you're knocking the nail in the coffin. You know, by, by acting as though it's already been done, maybe you're affecting the, the stars and the heavens and the action that it'll really be done. How could you do that? I mean, Esther was asking Mordechai, how could you do that? So Mordechai talks to Esther, it convinces Esther, etc. And then uh, you have the, what I think is the crucial, look, looking at the clothing, I think we've come to the crucial verse in the Gilat Esther. 
Right, this is in Peri, the first Pasuk in Perik Hay. The first Pasuk in Perik Hay. The first Pasuk in Perik Hay. Vahibi Yom HaShlishi. Remember that Esther asked that everybody should fast and daven for three days. Vahibi Yom HaShlishi. Perik Hay Pasuk Aleph. Vatilbash Esther Malchut. Vatilbash is an Esther got dressed up not like a not like Mordechai, who, who was in Avelut, she got dressed in her fanciest clothing, fanciest uh, malchut garbs that she had. Now Rashi says, Rashi, a big day malchut, that the, she got dressed up in her royal garb. They have to think of Queen Elizabeth on... Uh, when she opens Parliament, is that it? What's that called? The State of Parliament. Oh, there you go. It's like something, you know. You have to see her as young as she is. She does it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really, it's really, that's Malchus. I mean, she is of all the kings and queens that I've ever had the opportunity to see on YouTube. <laughs> she is the one who pulls it off. I mean, she really pulls it off. If you say, here comes the Queen of England, you believe it. You believe, even though she has no real power, as everybody always points out, but she has the trappings of real power. You know, she looks like she's in charge. And that's really something. That's what he's saying. I try not to mention failures. <laughs> Whatever he is, he's a failure at it. You know, so, uh, so, so this, uh, that's what Rashi says. He says, Big day malchut. Then he goes on in a, in a non Rashi fashion. And he says, Rabbeinu Amru, he says in Chazal, it's a Gemara in Megillah, Rabbeinu Amru, Shelevashta Ruach Akodesh. Imagine that. That she was covered by the spirit, the sacred spirit, right? It's like prophecy. She became a different person. And of course, Chazal, Chazal was sensitive to the wording, right? They're good at that. Chazal. And they, they said, why does it say, Why doesn't it say, if she, she didn't wear malchut, she wore big day malchut, so that they interpret the word malchut as having something to do with the malchut of a Kodesh Baruch, let's say in, in, a, in a, a sort of a, a misnadic terms. If a Hasidim would say it's, a, it's the sphere of malchut, it's the connection to a Kodesh Baruch that we're talking about. But Chazal were annoyed. This is, forget about whether you like this shot or not. But, uh, but, but Chazal were annoyed at the departure. What do you mean by Tabash Esther Malchut? Well, what does that mean? So they said what they said. They said Malchut is Ruch HaKodesh and they had a, 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 a parallel from a Pasuk in Devra Ayomim where something similar is said. But that doesn't matter. The question remains with us. The question remains with us. Okay, so we talked about Megillus Esther. Now we talk about the sheet. The sheet is about the story of Adam and Chava. 
Okay, listen. The story of Adam and Chagai, you remember that they ate from the eight Sadat. They ate from the eight Sadat, which was forbidden to them. And, but they did it anyway. How they did it is a subject that Chazal deal with. Like God says, don't do it. I mean, how are they going to do it? What, uh, you know, this idea, this question of like, where does bad come from? Where does evil come from? If the world was created by God, if God is good, then to think that God would create evil to just stup it into a, into, into other manchava seems a little odd. So when you learn Bereshit, one of the questions that recovers all the time when you, I mean, the parish of Bereshit is where did this evil inclination come from? If the world was created by God, then the world should be God-like, should be more like God than like anything else. And if, if God is, a, you know, if God tells you to do something, it should be a human interest to do it. It would just say, you know, something that, you know, all the Bali Musa talk about, like if, if God tells you to go to Minyan in the morning, so here we go, right? So if you don't go to Minyan in the morning, it's because you didn't hear God say anything about it. You know, it's like it's like hard to imagine, hard to imagine not doing what God wants. <coughs> it's a lot easier to say, I'm not sure that this is what God wants, right? So it says, it says in the in the in the passage, before they were kicked out of Gan Eden, it says, arumim ha'adam The first passage on the page, v'lo is the word, the Hebrew word, busha. What does busha mean? Embarrassment. What? Yeah. Embarrassment. So, so usually the way it's explained in this pasuk is that since they had no evil inclination, they, they didn't want to do anything wrong. They were only going to do what they were supposed to do. So the nakedness did not, uh, did not uh, turn them in the direction of sin. That's called loyit boshashu. They were not embarrassed by themselves because they did not find in themselves anything negative. Anything negative. So, so they, they, they lived na- like natural, natural people. I mean, you could make a comparison to animals, but uh, you don't have to. I mean, animals also don't, uh, they don't sin. They do what they naturally are inclined to do. And so other and Chava were like that. They did what they naturally inclined They didn't feel that there was transgression involved, that seeing each other or thinking about each other was a transgression. After the, after the sin, after they, they were kicked out of God Eden, so in, the Psukim say this, their eyes opened, the two of them, Adam and Chava, and they knew that they were naked. What do you mean they knew they were naked? What, what did they know? They knew that they had an evil inclination. That suddenly they wanted to do things, but not because God told them to do it. But they had an inclination to do things that they weren't supposed to do. That's Erumim, that they were, that they were naked. 
alei te'ina. And so they sewed up uh, fig leaves, uh, and they alei te'ina, we asulem chagorot. And they made belts around their, uh, their waists, I guess, and covered themselves up because they felt unhappy about themselves. They felt insecure. They understood that they could be, uh, do things against God's uh, direction and directive. So they, they, they covered themselves up. Vayishma'u et kol Hashem elokim mitalech bagat. And suddenly they were aware of the presence of God. Okay, it says the words are whatever they are. I mean, we're not dealing with that now. Right, when the, when the day gets windy, you know, in the afternoon. Uh, so they hid. Adam Adam and Chava, they hid. Why, they, why did they hide? Because they knew not only that they had done something wrong, but that they were bad, which is not quite the same thing, right? That they knew that they were bad. So if they were bad, they perhaps didn't really deserve to stand before God. They didn't deserve, or they weren't appropriate. They weren't appropriate anymore. So they hid. Uh, so they hid. They didn't want, whereas before, before they ate from the Eitz Hadad, they would walk in the garden and God would talk to them and they would talk to God. It was all sort of very regular. All of a sudden, it was impossible. It was impossible for them to stand and wait for God to approach. So they hid in the garden. You know, God turned to Adam and he said, Ayeka, Ayeka is a word that demands a response. Right, Ayeka doesn't mean, where are you? But it means, respond. That's what Ayeka is. This is God, where are you? Like, meaning, you should be standing right here, where I can tell you something. That's what Ayeka means. It's not a question about geographic location. Vayomer et kolcha shamati bagan vaira ki erom anochi veichave. I was afraid because I'm naked, so I hid. What do you mean he's naked? He just didn't have those fig leaves. Did he? Put, but no, he's naked because fig leaves are fig leaves, but they don't do the job. They don't change you inside. And since when you talk to God, God knows what's inside of you. So Adam Marishan understood, understood that he remained in his nakedness. I mean, there was no difference. Of course, you know, you wear clothing; it, it helps a little bit, but it doesn't change. It doesn't change your essential nature. You are who you are. So he said, uh, and I hid because I wasn't covered up enough. I'm still naked." This is Vayomer. Mi gidlecha ki rom ata. Shakarish Bohu says to other how do you know that you're a Rome? Translation, how do you know that you're evil? How do you know that you're wicked? How do you know that you're a sinner? How do you know in other words you did something wrong? But how do you know? 
Amin ha'etz asher tziviticha levilti yechol mimenu achalta. Is it true that you ate from that tree by Yom Adam? Aisha shenatata miyadi he natna li min ha'etz v'achal. This is either like a, an unfortunate moment in the history of mankind, man as opposed to womankind, or it's it's like other Mauritians saying to God, is that if there was no woman, there would have been no sin. So somehow, you know, you always try to blame, you always try to blame the rebellious life. Like you're not going to say, uh, you know, I did it, but you say it was the circumstance. And who created the circumstance? God created the circumstance. So God created the circumstance. Well, you know, so I don't feel that I'm guilty. Okay, so that, that's the conversation. The thing that I would like to point out, point out to you are the words Bushah and the word Aro. Uh, um, Right? Busha means I feel that I have, that I have sinned. And Aram means that, uh, that I, I remain a sinner. Right? Both of these words are talking about the same thing. One more pasuk. Vayasa Hashem Elohim Ladam. The last pasuk in Perik Gimel, I think. Vayasa Hashem Elohim Ladam Ishtok Hatnot Ov Ayal Bishem. What does that, what does that mean? What does that mean? That God opened up a haberdashery and offered them each, you know, high-class clothing to wear. Katnot or. Or probably means leather. Even though it's true that some uh, interpretations switch ayin vavresh for aleph vavresh. But in any event, there's no doubt that this is an improvement over the fig leaves. The only thing we don't understand is why, let's say God uh, did it, you know, gave him a better deal in the clothing department, but why does the Torah mention it? I mean, what difference is, we understand the basic issue, the basic issue is, are they evil? Do they have to cover up? Are they filled with bushah? All of that, we understand, why did our Kodesh Baruch Hu make them cut note or why did God make them clothing and dress them in this clothing? When they, Adam Arishon probably, and Chava also admitted that they were sinners and that they had this inclination which they tried to cover up, but I mean, they knew that it would not solve the entire problem. So I want to tell you two interesting pieces of information where I think that they're interesting. One, one has to do with the, the Ramban at the beginning of the parish of Tetzaveh. Tetzaveh, the parish of Tetzaveh is this week's parish, which we are not learning today. So I figured we should put it in a little bit, right? So the Pasuk says you have to make big day Kodesh lechavod umetif eret. That's what the Pasuk says. Of course, the Chavod is one of those words that are very difficult to explain in glory. Atiferet, Pe'er, beauty. Uh, you know, these are hard words. These are hard words to put your finger on. You know, if you, if you like, if you have a poetic sense, so you sort of like, uh, it means something. But it's not so easy to understand what Chavod is or what Tiferet is. The Ramban says, the Ramban first explains the big day kuhuna and why it's lechavod the first, but then the Ramban says this most amazing thing that even though 
the Big Day Kuhuna are described fairly well in the Torah. You know what? You know you all see these pictures of uh, the temple and uh, the priests, and uh, you know they all look like they came from Meisharim. All the people in those picture books, which is uh, an interesting idea, you know, <laughs> but you know not necessarily perfectly accurate. But uh, uh, so you have. So, so the Ramban says, if you want to know what lechavod leteferet is, you want to get a sense of it. He says, what you have to do is look at the clothing that the goyim wear, that the that the kings of the nations wear. You look at that, you'll know what kavod leteferet is. And that's what the Ramban says. That's the first thing that I wanted to tell you. The second thing that I wanted to tell you is that there's a Gemara. <laughs> there's a Gemara in Yevomos. I and Ted The Gemara in Yevomos describes, for some reason, describes Am Yisrael in the following way. Rachmanim, Baishanim, Gomlei Chasadim. That's what the Gemara said. Rachmanim are people who have mercy. They have mercy on, on others who, who are down and out. Baishanim. Baishanim. Ah. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, what is Baishanim? What are uh, Baishanim? People with a conscience. So the Gemara quotes a Pasuk. Maybe you're right. But the Gemara quotes a Pasuk in the answering this question. And that's a Pasuk that's written in the Torah in Parashat Yisro after the Aseret Debrot. After the Aseret Debrot, the Jews came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, look, we can't take too, tense, too much tension here. This like, confrontation with God is too much for us. So you go. You get the Torah and then you'll come and you'll teach it to us. That's what B'nai Yisrael said how they were able to say that, what it was based on, how they got away with it, all of this we don't know, but that's what happened. In the, right there, in Perekhov, Pasuk 17, but it says that Moshe Rabbein is trying to convince everybody uh, that, that they should go themselves, that he shouldn't be their emissary. And he says, don't, don't be nervous about the fact that this was such an upsetting event Matan Torah, or confronting God. And then he says, In order that the fear of God should be etched on your faces. That's why the, the confrontation with God was so, uh, was so intense. And so the Gemara says, that's what Baishanim means. That's what Busha. Busha is... Uh, the embarrassment. It, it, there's another word, busha, another word, baishanim, which means I always know that God is looking at me. And if I always know that God is looking at me, there are a lot of things I'm not going to do, and a lot of things I'm not going to participate in. So again, when the when the Gemara says that the characteristics of Amisavos, that's an interesting idea. You know, as some sociologist, when people started saying that a, a large group could have a personality. 
Right? But that's what the, the, the Gemara says. That this group of people called the Jewish people, they have a personality and you could identify them. Because they're Rachmanim, Baishanim, and Gomlei Chasadim. And this was an answer to the question about the Givonites. Why the Givonim were severely punished when they lied to Yehoshua. Because Yehoshua knew that they were, that they were not for real. That they said that they were, wanted to join. Uh, Am Yisrael. And Yeshua knew that this was not true because they didn't have these characteristics. And the Rabban quotes this the halacha. The halacha. It was the Rabban thinks that the halacha is that Jews are Rachmanim, Vaishanim, and Gomlei Chasadim. And it doesn't matter if you know a few Jews who don't seem to fit into that uh, general category. Nevertheless, nevertheless, this was the opinion of the Rabban that, that Rachmanim, Vaishanim, and Gomlei Chasadim were the essential nature of, of Klal Yisrael. What is Baishanim? What are Baishanim? They're people who see themselves standing in front of God all the time. And when you see yourself standing in front of God all the time, you can't be a chutzpanik, you can't uh, say things that are silly, you can't uh, uh, knock down the other person, right? That, that's just... You're in a different place. If you're in a different place, the, 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 if God is on your face, that's what happened at Mountain Torah, according to Moshe Rabbeinu. God was on your face. And that, it happened when they were there, but they thought they would run away from it at first. So Moshe Rabbeinu is explaining, no, you shouldn't run away because that's, that's what you want, that's what you're supposed to get out of Mountain Torah. This... Uh, this whole idea. So that, these are the. That's, that's when the transformation happened at Matan Torah that we became Baishanim. That we became Baishanim. Yes, yes, because because Baishanim means that you see the faith, God on your face, right? It, it, it happened because of an event. It wasn't something that was genetically uh, uh, engineered. It was a. Uh, it was an event that took place. Yeah. It was a different Baisha, it's a different word. Okay. It's a different word. So in other words, we know at least two meanings. You have a third me a third kind of Baishan. The first Baishan is uh, is uh, is the Bushah of Adam and Chava when they discovered that they were uh, uh, sinners or they had this capacity to sin. The second kind of Bushah is the Bushah of uh, Rachmanim Baishanim and uh, and Gomlei Chasadim, the nature of things. Baishanim are people who see themselves as always standing with God. And that's why they can't do things that are unacceptable. And Lord Baishan Lamed, it's true, it's, a, it's another use of the word, which I, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to bring in. But it's true that it's another meaning for the word uh, Baishan. So we have... We have, I, I told you about the Ramban and I told you about Rachmanim Baishadim and Gomlei Chasadim. Now I want you to understand, I want you to understand that there were two sets of clothing. One set for Adam and Chava, one set of clothing was made by Adam and Chava. And it was the same people who saw themselves as sinners, try to protect themselves from themselves by making these clothing. Maybe it would help them. Maybe it would work a little bit. But it was not something that affected the nature of Adam and Chava. But the clothing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made for Adam and Chava, 
cut note or and Chazal say or is Aleph Vav Resh, not Ayin Vav Resh. I mean, in the Chumash it's Ayin Vav Resh, but that you could read it also as Aleph Vav Resh. And Aleph Vav Resh means uh, uh, the light of God. The light of God gave them the light of God. Now this is easily, I think, comparable to Matan Torah, to what happened when Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, listen, you confronted God, this is going to make you into Baishanim. So you see or that Adam and Chava, Adam and Chava, when they went out into the world, they were kicked out of Gan Eden, had they gone out into the world with their own garb, clothing that they made, so there would be a, a little bit of protection. There would be a little bit of protection against their nature. But given the, 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 the opportunity to go out into the world with the clothing that was, uh, that was God's clothing, uh, that is a, that was a wondrous thing. Now, in for Am Yisrael, the only clothing that we know about is Big Day Kahuna. Only the Kohanim had special, special uh, clothing. Remember, the Ramban says, if you want to know what clothing is like, you go and look at the Goyim. Well, who do you look at in the Goyim? You look at the at Malchus. You look at the at kingship. Right, you look at kingship, so that what the Ramban is saying is that Malchus, the Jewish Malchus, what we call Malchus, is Kahuna. That's what the Kohanim have, because Malchus, Malchus, except that it has certain, technically the, the kings do things, but their real objective is to reach a, 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 a level of devotion to God that Adam and Chava were given the opportunity to have with cut note or with cut note or. So uh, the Kohanim are the ones who wear the big day Malchut in Am Yisrael. The Kohanim, the the the, the priests, are the ones who know about who know what the big day Malchut are. That's according to according to the, the Ramban. So, what happened? What happened in, the, in this story in Esther? What happened in the story of, of Esther? Mordechai, by wearing clothing of mourning, was giving credibility to the Malchut of Ahasuerus. Right. In other words, nothing had happened yet. But Mordechai said, Oh, Hashverosh said it's going to happen? Maybe it'll happen. And therefore he went into mourning immediately. So he gave credibility to the Malchut of Hashverosh. He said, We have a really difficult problem here. Esther, in order to contradict that Malchut of Hashverosh, came to the king with the big day Ruach HaKodesh, with the clothes of Ruach HaKodesh. Uh, she came with the katnot or of Adam and Chava that they received on Gan, at Gan, when, they, when they left Gan Eden and became like free in the world to make, to make their way. Uh, you know that the last pasuk 
the last pasuk of Megillat Esther, the last pasuk of Megillat Esther, says this. Uh, Esther. Ki Mordechai Yehudi. This is the last pasuk, right? Perik Yud Pasuk Gimel. Ki Mordechai Yehudi. Mordechai Yehudi. Mishne Lemelech Hachashverosh. He was number two. King was number one. Gadol Yehudim. Even though he was a king in uh, in Persia in, in Paras, he was still Gadol Yehudim. He was a great a great leader of the Jewish people, probably in the uh, comparable to Nehemiah, right? Who remained part of the the hierarchy in uh, Persia in Babylon, but he though he went to Eretz Israel for twelve years, then he came back and he resumed his position. The Ratsui Lerovachav, we've never heard that before. Ratsui, he was accepted by most of his brethren. Now, what could that possibly mean? What could that possibly mean? So Rashi says, quoting the Gemara, he says, Lerovachav, he was accepted by most of them. Velolecholechav, but not all of them. Why not? Mlamei Shepirshu Mimenu Mikzat Sanhedrin. A, a, a group of the Sanhedrin separated themselves from Mordechai. They didn't want to have to do with Mordechai. Imagine that. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. That's what the Gemara says, what Rashi quotes. Because he, Mordechai, became kind of entangled with the Malchut, meaning Achashverosh, V'haya batel mitalmudo. V'haya batel mitalmudo. He didn't learn enough Torah. He became, and he worked for the Jewish people, and he was a great guy, and he helped out, and he was a he was interested in, uh, in tax reform and in social uh, uh, social conditions and all of that, but he gave in to the Malchut. He, he hung around. He hung around with the Hashveros. He gave in to the Malchus. And therefore he himself stopped learning as much Torah as he did in the earlier, in the earlier times. So that... <coughs> I always say no one ever calls me. I can't do it now. Sorry. Anyway, so so here's Mordechai. There's like 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 a statement about Mordechai that's so outrageous that I mean Mordechai saved the Jewish people. At least you could read the Megillah that way. Even though Esther was the one who was the up front. But Mordechai sent her. Mordechai explained to her that she has to do something, that she has to defend the Jewish people. He was Esther's teacher. And the last statement in the Gila, which was written by Mordechai, by the way, and by Mordechai and Esther, is Ratsui Lerovachav, that, you know, at the end of the day, Mordechai, it was a problem. Mordechai was always the problem. 
What was the problem with Mordechai? The problem with Mordechai was that he did not distinguish the big day Malchut from the big day, the Kotnod Or. That Mordechai became the one who wore the big day Malchut. Which big day Malchut? Which big day Malchut? The big day Malchut of Achashverosh. And the Ramban taught us that the Bigadim, it doesn't matter what they look like so much. It doesn't matter who created them. What matters is, can you put a Kohen into them? That's what matters. Because what the Big Day Malchut come from the Goyim, they were good at that. But you have to put them on the backs of the Kohanim. And the Kohanim have to wear the Big Day Malchut in the Beit HaMikdash. And to wear the Big Day Malchut in the Beit HaMikdash, they have to be cut not all. But what does it say about Mordechai? Mordechai was Mishnela Melech, and he had all the Big Day Malchut. He was, he was wearing the Big Day Malchut. And that wearing the Big Day Malchut brought him closer to Achashverosh and limited his Talmud Torah. What did he limited his Talmud Torah? It wasn't because he didn't have time. It was because somehow, somehow the way they perceived Mordechai was that he was acquiescing, acquiescing to the, to the, to the diaspora that he was in. If I could say such a thing, I mean, this is where you shall lie if I could get away with it. It was acquiescing, it was acquiescing to the, to the diaspora, to the malchus of the diaspora, to the clothes of the, of the diaspora. And that's why he wasn't learning Torah. He wasn't learning Torah because he was taking care of his sick mother or grandmother. He was not learning Torah because he chose to diminish his Torah learning and to be involved in the big day malchus, which were determined by, uh, by Achashverosh, and not to turn the big day malchus into, into Kotnot uh, or Vayal Bishem. So you see, you see, so this is what I have to say this year about, uh, about Begilat Esther. That of all the strands and all the stories that are told, there's always like uh, an attempt to turn things into, into something spiritually meaningful. Like, you know, you fight a battle and you win, so you say hallel. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not the end of the judgment. The end of the judgment is, well, what happened after you say hallel? What happens on the day after you, you win the, the battle? Because we all know that winning battles statistically is meaningless. In the past, all the people who have won have eventually also lost. Uh, but not everybody who loses leaves an inheritance, you know, leaves something to think about. And so Mordechai, Mordechai started out as the teacher, the understander, the advisor, the teach, the uh, the instructor. Ended his career by being, for whatever reason, uh, accepting of the notion of malchus that existed in Persia, which was that if you wear these clothing, you're all automatically somebody. You're a somebody. Whereas the Jews understood that you're a somebody if you learn Torah, and if you don't learn Torah, that somebody in you is going is going to waste. We are happy for it. Yes, can I get a job? I don't like this. 
opportunity to do to help? Maybe to help save Israel in the end. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Why should I know? You, you know, I say what I say. <laughs> Uh, Please take things to think about this. Remember, don't forget that Esther also threw away her own. I have talked about Esther in the past. She has to get naked. Yes, okay. And, and she sits in oils and everything, and then she takes on. I see you like Esther. What? You like Esther. I thought it was enough that I knocked down Mordechai a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does something. She, but the thing is that clothing is very strange. It's not very superficial. Right, it used to be. I think today it's becoming less, um, like it's, it's cool to look different somehow today. I think. I mean, I don't know. I'm on, uh, this thing, I won't say this. This is different from what? Different from whatever is considered to be standard. Like on the one hand, everybody has a uniform. On the other hand, you know, in other words, in the olden times, my impression is you always wore the same kind of clothes, day and night. Sunday, Tuesday, it didn't matter. Today, everybody wears, has like three personalities. Like there's the clothes you wear to work, and the clothes you wear when you get home, and the clothes you wear on vacation. Everybody has this idea that you wear the clothes that fits in with the... Uh, but if you wear a uniform, you don't do that. You wear a uniform, you come home, and you change to an old uniform. <laughs> you know, I was once in a gym. Uh, poor him, it's like poor him. I was once in a gym. So this Hasidish guy comes in. He's going to the gym. You know, he's wearing black pants, a black vest, a white shirt, a coat, a long coat, and a gargoyle and a hat. And he comes to the gym. I said, I can't believe this. I mean, what's this guy going to do? So he starts getting undressed, takes off his hat, takes off his uh, black coat and his gargoyle and his shirt and his pants and his shoes, takes off everything, and then he takes out of a bag... <laughs> A pair of black pants, a white shirt, <laughs> a jacket, a hat, and then he gets out there on the thing, starts running, you know, like, <laughs> because he had, that's all the clothes he had. He was going to have the kind of clothes from. But <laughs> this is a true story. Okay, I have a fairly good poor about